Today on CityCast Philly, we're covering some of the week's top stories. It's the Friday News Roundup, and I'm joined by Philadelphia Inquirer real estate reporter Jake Bloomgart and freelance journalist Ben Seal. It's Friday, January 13th, 2023. I'm Trinae Nuri, and this is CityCast Philly. Ben, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Jake, thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Ben, we'll start with your story that you covered this week. It was about a new research study from Temple University Hospital that found that the way the media covers gun violence can actually be harmful to victims. Can you tell us more about this story? Sure. It's something that I think has been discussed at length for a long time now, but this is really the first academic research that shows it, um, that that helps us to really know it as fact, that episodic media coverage of gun violence, so we're talking about sort of breaking news coverage. When you turn on the nightly news and, and see a report about a corner getting shot up or something like that, you know, that type of episodic media coverage is really harmful both to victims because of the way that it re-traumatizes them and, and asks them to once again live or relive their, their experiences, but also because it is a hindrance for finding public health solutions to gun violence. And the research really was coming from the perspective of people who've been injured by uh, gun violence. And mm-hmm. the researchers interviewed 26 firearm violence victims and asked them to describe their experiences and their interactions with the media and, and their experience of being covered as victims. And really what the, the researchers found is that people experienced a lot of trauma. There was a lot of incorrect information in the way that news was being reported, often because it was coming from police or, or other folks who didn't really have all of the information that the victims themselves would have been able to give. I think it's notable to point out that in this case, these 26 patients, nobody, no journalist actually spoke to any of them. Um, And so the the report basically is trying to to get at, you know, this, this larger issue of gun violence and how we can better cover it as journalists and the potential for harm if we cover it in a in an unhelpful way, I suppose. How can media outlets begin to work on that, though? Do we need more training? Do we make immediate changes? What should we do? It's a good question. I think um, one of the things that was suggested in this paper is that there could be media guidelines along the, the lines of what exists currently for, let's say, coverage around suicide or coverage around mass shootings, where I think People who are experts on this and and have done the research have suggested ways to better cover violence to limit the harm that it does. And so that's one thing that could be there. I think the the thing that the study participants said in many cases and, and what the research emphasized is that what could be done differently here is actually talking to victims themselves, that coming back after the fact, you know, as opposed to writing a story or, or putting together a new segment the night of a shooting, coming back after the fact and, and getting the stories from the people who've actually experienced gun violence firsthand and learning about their recovery and their resilience and the pain it caused them and, and finding ways to humanize their stories 
would go a really long way toward changing the experience of the, the media coverage of gun violence. And one of the things that it would open the door to, hopefully, is really reporting that opens ideas about solutions to gun violence, as opposed to a style of reporting that makes it feel like gun violence is inevitable and just a part of daily life. A different style of reporting might give people a sense that there are policy solutions here, that there are systemic problems and public health issues that could be addressed and help lead us in a better direction. For sure. And there are organizations in the city and around the country who do that type of reporting, that solutions journalism in terms of issues of gun violence. Um, This is going to be interesting to see, you know, how things can change. Yeah, the the Philadelphia Center for Gun Violence Reporting, I think, is, is doing a lot of good work on that front. And Jessica Beard, the trauma surgeon at Temple University Hospital, who wrote this study, is actually the director of research at the the Gun Violence Reporting Center. And so I think keeping in touch with what they're doing and and listening to the the ideas that they are putting out there would go a long way for journalists in the city and, and beyond to really develop a better sense of how they could cover gun violence in a more meaningful and helpful way. Yeah, that's really helpful. And we also spoke with another organization called The Trace, um, a nonprofit that also does this work as well. So this will be very interesting. Okay, Jake, we want to get you into the conversation too, but we're going to shift gears and talk about real estate in the city. What can we expect from the city's development industry this year? So essentially the article I ran this week, or one of the articles I ran this week was about how um, the kind of like larger economic environment is affecting real estate in Philadelphia. And, you know, um, as people may know, in the wake of the pandemic, uh, inflation has kind of been going up for the first time, really in our lifetimes. For sure. Um, (laughs) Prices of everything have gone up. (laughs) Right. And so, and it's this context where the Fed in D.C., which sets monetary policy uh, has been raising the interest rates that essentially makes borrowing more expensive. And that kind of has the effect of the developers and bankers in the city who are kind of like looking at where to build, what kind of projects to back. You know, they've been in this environment where since the Great Recession in 2008, the interest rates have been kept very low. Um, And essentially that's made borrowing very cheap and has allowed a lot of people to build in parts of the city that they might not otherwise have wanted to kind of make a riskier gambit. And so now with the interest rates going up and also crucially with construction costs also still remaining pretty high, you know, the cost of labor are higher than they used to be um, because of the tight labor market, which is very good for workers, I should say, because people are getting paid more. But, you know, that still is a cost for the builders. And then also the costs of construction are higher than they used to be because of material costs uh, are also suffering from the inflation we were talking about earlier. And that means that a lot of kind of projects that are maybe in neighborhoods that are further away from center city that are in neighborhoods where, you know, builders wouldn't be able to command the rents that they might be able to in the kind of like core neighborhoods and the neighborhoods that have like really gentrified in the last like 10 to 15 to 20 years, those projects are like less likely to happen. 
So in my article, I was essentially talking to a lot of bankers and they were all saying that they were pulling back, uh, that there were projects that were being paused that had kind of been proposed. And they're kind of waiting to see how high the Federal Reserve will raise the interest rates this year before they're kind of taking on more risky gambits. Got it. So what does this actually mean for Philadelphians? So essentially, you're probably going to be seeing a lot less construction this year than you have the last several years. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, especially in the kind of further out neighborhoods, um, you know, like, let's say, like Germantown or Kensington, like north of like Lehigh or something like that, there's probably going to be less new apartment buildings going up, um, fewer new townhomes going up. Even I've heard some rumors, although I have not been able to confirm them, that there are some of the really big apartment buildings that are planned for Center City and for like South Broad Street could potentially also be being paused, although I haven't been able to confirm that so far. And to be clear, from what I was saying earlier, the construction pause that's coming is probably not going to be for projects that are already that have already spent a lot of what they call like hard costs, where like the construction is already kind of like halfway into it. It's more like if they've cleared a site and they've got the the plans on the drawing boards, that's where you may see them just kind of like walking away or at least putting a pin in things and seeing where the interest rates wind up. Is there any good news here? <laughs> yes. Well, so... There's been so much apartment construction in Fishtown and Kensington and the neighborhoods kind of around there and that kind of part of like the river wards in North Philly that the bankers I was talking to were saying that landlords are going to have to start offering cheaper rents because the rate of construction has been so insane up there that um, they think they're going to have to compete for renters. So You know, that is not to say that it's going to be affordable for low-income people or anything like that, but it is going to be for the people who are able to, like, rent new apartments, the kind of high asking rents that are uh, being put out there right now will probably have to be moderated as more of the new apartment supply comes online up there. Ben, let's talk about another story that caught your eye this week. Tell us about the workers in Kensington that have become the first independent unionized restaurant in the city. Yeah, this is at Eva, the Kensington bakery and restaurant that, that comes from the owners of Reanimator Coffee. And I think it's a it's an important story to take note of because I think if you've been paying attention in, to Philadelphia labor issues over the past couple of years, there's been sporadic uh, union organizing efforts, whether it's at coffee shops or a bagel shop in my neighborhood and some restaurants. And I think Keeping a close eye on that going forward is is worthwhile. This one is notable because the owners of the restaurant voluntarily recognized the staff union, which is not typically how it has gone. Um, I think maybe that sets the stage for more places to create, you know, working relationships with union staff at their restaurants or, or stores or anything else. And I think you know, where we're headed in that way, it's probably a better place for workers, certainly, if there are more more unions that are getting uh, voluntarily recognized, um, is only going to be a good thing for putting more people in a better position to, to make a fair living wherever they work, whether it's at a pizza shop, a bagel shop, a, a bar, or otherwise. 
Do we know what this means for business owners? Well, for the business owners at Eva, I imagine that it, it means they're going to have a, a healthy relationship with their workers. Their workers are, are surely going to be in a better position financially and, and benefits-wise based on this and, and probably be better protected. And I think it's a, a healthy workplace environment if you've got owners and workers who are on the same page in that way. I think in the grander picture, more unions spreading across Philadelphia is, you know, for a small and, and mid-sized businesses, it's, it's certainly a concern. I think business owners, if you talk to them, are not typically a fan of having uni unionized labor. Um, it drives up costs in some ways, or at least has the potential to. Um, so it, it's definitely going to depend on, on which side of that split you're on, I suppose. But I do think that it's something that can be healthy for, for folks ac across the board. Great. And Jake, let's talk about Center City. Uh, yesterday, we had an episode about Center City District Restaurant Week coming up. Uh, what can you tell us about how Center City is doing these days? Yeah, I mean, I was really struck this weekend. I was showing around a historian from Chicago mm -hmm. and was just kind of taking him around Center City. And he was just uh, really marveling about how many people were out on the streets on a weekend. And it's something I really noticed with a lot of people from other cities I've shown around downtown, which is just that most American downtowns are totally dead, except from nine to five on uh, weekdays. And these days, many of them are even dead on nine to five on weekdays. And, you know, it's not to say that Center City is, you know, totally fine. The office sector is I think they're only back to like something like 30% of the buildings being occupied during the week. Mm -hmm. uh, so obviously that's bad. But we honestly didn't have that strong of an office sector to begin with. So while it's, you know, painful, it's not as painful as it could have been. And we have done a really good job of building a lot of housing downtown. And Center City is a pretty pleasant place to be. You know, the uh, streets are narrow. The blocks are short. So it's nice to walk around. There's a lot of small businesses. There's a lot of restaurants. It is just uh, much more pleasant than most American downtowns are. And I think there is something to be said for how resilient that has proven, especially if you go to somewhere like Baltimore, which is very similar to Philadelphia in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Their downtown is utterly devoid of life. It is extremely depressing and kind of creepy. And it is... I really think a mark in our favor that our downtown has proven so resilient through everything that the city has gone through these last several years. And speaking of Philadelphians exploring downtown, we have some other city dwellers. Philly's cat population, our stray cat population. Ben, good, bad, what's going on here? <laughs> you know, I love stray cats. Uh, I love all cats. <laughs> And there was a there was a story out uh, last week in Billy Penn about the stray cat population holding steady um, over the past couple of years, which is not how it has been in a lot of places. In a lot of places, there's been a real surge in cats landing at animal shelters. 
And in Philadelphia, thanks to a really strong network of volunteers and, and organizations that are doing their best to keep the stray cat population in control, um, that has worked out. There's still about an estimated 400,000 strays in the city, wow. which is a wild number. Um, yeah. And you can imagine how quickly that number can rise if there are not people devoted to uh, the sort of trap, neuter, and release process that helps to make sure we don't um, have a boom in the stray cat population. And places like the Cat Collaborative have been doing a lot of work to take care of all our feline friends out there and make sure they're getting the care that they need and make sure we're not uh, running or flooding the streets with stray cats. So we've got to give them a lot of credit and, and it's worth pointing out that the spring is typically the season for litters. And so this winter, if you have an interest in taking care of, of your community's cats, you can get involved in trap, neuter, release. You can uh, donate and you can do whatever you can to help make sure that when spring and summer roll around, we don't have a boom in the number of strays out there. All right. That's freelance journalist Ben Seal and Philadelphia Inquirer real estate reporter Jake Bloomgard. Thank you both so much for joining me on CityCast Philly. Thanks, Renee. Yeah, thank you for having us. That's all for today here on CityCast Philly. Our lead producer is Alexandra McMahon. Our producer is Abby Fritz. Our newsletter editor is Brittany Valentine. And our host is me, Trinae Nuri. Music is by Philly's own Interminable. One production note, this was Alexandra's last day with the team. Thank you so much for getting the CityCast Philly podcast and Hey Philly newsletter off the ground. Alexandra, we wish you much success. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We're off on Monday observing the MLK Junior holiday, but we'll be back on Tuesday morning with more news from around the city. Have a great weekend. Be safe. Bye.